The temperature is nice and warm in the Boiling Point Podcast studio, so come on in, get cozy, and let's enjoy the conversation. We empower leaders through thoughtful discussions to positively impact our world. Our host, Dave Vale, founder and CEO of Vision Coaching, Inc., is highlighting how we can thrive in business communities. Our conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, and inspirational storytellers are shining a spotlight on empowerment. Joining Dave this week is our special guest host, Emily Roger. Let's join the conversation with Dave and Emily. Okay, I guess I'm, I'm kicking this off, Emily. Well, welcome back, listeners. We got an exciting guest for you today. Um, and this actually connects, our interview today is going to connect with um, our conversation in the last podcast, Emily. And um, I think there's a lot of carryover. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have this conversation. And um, I really enjoyed our conversation um, in terms of, you know, what, what you're learning and, and how you're showing up and how you're giving back. Yeah, and I think that uh, our next guest in reading her interview in the huddle and, uh, you know, she started it off by saying um, that she's passing on a baton and passing on the knowledge um, that she has learned and how very much that is her purpose is is how I read that and interpreted that. And so, yeah, I feel like this is just such a... Uh, a timely guest to have on the show. And interestingly enough, when you and I were first um, chatting about her and you had said like, have you heard about the sailboat? And I had heard about it this morning, that morning, because Greg Hemmings had sent me an email and he was out filming her. And I'm like, well, everything is just connected here. Yeah. That that was, that was a little freaky actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how we were able to track her down. Greg, hop on your sailboat and go find us this woman. (laughs) So let's let's bring in Joanne McGinnis. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. It's it's Joanne and the H is silent. So I'm glad we asked that ahead of time. There are no coffee mugs, you said, with uh, Joanne. So um, maybe for listeners, you can share a little bit about who you are and, um, you know, what what gets you up every day. Okay, who I am? Wow, I guess it depends what what part of my life, um, what where to start and who you talk to. Because I'm many things to many people. Um, I'm a mom first and foremost, uh, also a grandmother, proud grandmother. I promise not to show seventy five pictures. Uh, and I'm a sailor. I'm a whiskey persona. I'm a mentor. I'm a coach. I'm a civil servant. I'm uh, passionate about many things in life. And uh, believe in in uh, passing on the baton and mentoring the next generation as a, I don't want to say as a paying it forward to the people who did it before me, but that's basically what I'm doing is I'm passing on the baton that was passed on to me in so many realms of my life. And uh, as I get older and uh, am nearing the next chapter of my life, which is retirement, which is kind of exciting, uh, I realize more and more that that's my purpose. Did that, that's, you know... It's so interesting, like what an like an eclectic kind of collection of different things, you know. And I was actually I was reading your LinkedIn bio, and and it it, it brought in that whiskey piece and the uh, the the course that you've gone through it. Um, oh, what is it? NC chemical uh, chemical engineering technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they thought, isn't that interesting? And and the interest in steam and you know. So, um, but 
at what point did your purpose become obvious to you or, or did it just show up one day or had it always been there or you know what, what was it for you um well i guess i mean the root of it all is um at the age of 17 i found myself pregnant and uh a bit of an unexpected event and i think it was out of sheer stubbornness that i just decided um i mean there were um, many options in front of me but i i decided out of uh stubbornness and maybe ignorance that I could do it on my own type of thing and that's that's basically what I became was a a young uh, unwed pregnant teenager um, I moved away from home to a city where I knew absolutely nobody uh, and had no support and uh, in French and I'm also fully bilingual so in French we have a terminology called pioche which means um, you know you, you work really hard at making a garden look beautiful and so well, the majority of my best friends were going off to college or university and living life at the fullest in their early 20s. I was a, a young mom just doing my best to to raise a daughter on my own. And um, I think it was at that point that I realized I just didn't want to be a statistic. I just didn't want to be another, you know, teen pregnant mom on the system or or with only a grade 12 education. So uh, from that point on, I think I kind of made a promise to myself that if I quote unquote made it, uh, that I would I would give back and I would ensure that you know the next generation of, of young young females wouldn't have to go through what I went through and uh, that's where I think it kind of started when I realized like my ability to uh, maybe I'm an empath I guess I, I've never really looked at it from that perspective but it was just like knowing full well what someone else might have to go through really pushed me forward um, no matter how many times anybody said no, or you shouldn't, or you can't, uh, I made it a point to make sure I, I was the one out of 10 that, that, that quote unquote made it. So I, I got myself a college education. I went on to university and finished off some courses. I got a great job. I met a nice guy, I got married, had the picket fence, the dog, um, you know, and, and uh, when my children were a little bit older, probably when I was about 35 or 36, I, that's when I made the decision, okay, now I've got free time, I've got money in my pocket, I've, I'm you know, not so much an influencer because we didn't really talk about that at that, situ at that point in our lives, but um, you know, I had started to make um, some, some footing, I think, in our community with regards to how to move forward a program. My family physician, uh, Dr. Christine Davies, was imperative in getting First Steps Housing Incorporated started here in St. John, New Brunswick, and it's been operational for 20 years now. Um, it's a fantastic program that helps young moms um, through very difficult times, either being kicked out of their own homes or being, you know, just nowhere to go, nothing going on, no, no hope. And uh, we have a, a wonderful program that allows them to get an education, have childcare, they live in home. And then we have a second steps program that allows them to move out of the home, continue on with a secondary education if that's what they choose to do or get a job and uh, slowly bring them to a place in society where they really feel like they're part of it and not quote unquote a statistic like, you know, the majority of um, which I, I kind of hate to say, but it's like it's it's frowned upon. You know, it's it's still something very negative to to be in that situation and not be able to get yourself out of it. And it's not easy to get yourself out of it. It really isn't. So I think that's where it all started. And then gradually it just kind of like fanned out in other parts of my life because I traditionally end up in um, 
areas that are male dominated. My, my field of study was male dominated in the nineties. Um, where I work is male, still male dominated to a certain degree. I work for the Canada border service agency. Um, whiskey was male dominated for many years. Sailing was male dominated for many years. So, uh, I think that's the one shout out to my mother who, uh, used to tell me like, you know, if you're going to do this, you have to remember that you're going to have to work twice as hard to be considered half as good. And so, you know, shout out to my mom for, for, for proving that being stubborn and just standing on your own two feet, no matter what is, is how you get things done. So does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm sure. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Wow. I'm, I'm curious, Joanne, in that it's like, what was that? You know, you had said that you got to the age of 35 and it was this feeling of, I made it. And what is more behind that feeling that, um, you know, you could feel that way? Like, what was that about for you? You know, this is going to sound so cliched, but I remember buying like my first, <laughs> my first bedroom set and everything mm. matched. And that to me was that first sign of like, oh my God, I'm adulting. I actually have yeah. like matching, <laughs> matching bedroom set and sheets and like I bought it at Sears and I was so proud of myself that I actually like it was the first time I really felt like comfortable in the fact that I I wasn't going to miss out or that I wasn't going to have to worry about providing or that that we were going to be okay as a family like my kids were going to be fine I was going to be fine and um, I was talking about like the word pioche like it was the first time I just kind of went all right I got this like we I did it I did it and and from there on in like it just like that was almost 20 years ago and life has just flown by since then like things just became so much easier after that mm. yeah yeah and i love that like in hearing you take the time to recognize within yourself that yeah i made it yeah of, of how often we maybe don't give ourselves that credit for where we get in life yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you're going through it and again, for me, it was always just one step, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. Um, and just stopping and kind of taking a look back and realizing like truly realizing, all right, like what, you know, what the hell type of thing, or mm. just really looking back in the rearview mirror and, and just pausing and realizing like, okay, wow. Like that was one heck of a, that was almost 20 years of my life right there that just happened so fast. And it was, again, I think by sheer stubbornness that I just refused to give up resilience. I, I grew up being very resilient. I had a single mom as a parent. And so I'm generation X that, you know, go outside, come back at supper. Here's the key. Take care of your little brother. There's peanut butter in the cupboard. Like that's, that's just the way we grew up, right? To be very resilient, self-sufficient, think for yourself troubleshooter um think always thinking outside the box what can i do versus what can't i do so yeah yeah it would be yeah. interesting. Oh, go ahead dave before i cut you off emily i was uh is that okay go for it cut me off right because i wanted you said something that i i thought you know it'd be interesting just to maybe understand you know what that's like because i think you can sometimes some of us can forget um but you know the, the feeling of um, he had prior to when you hit 35 and bought the bedroom set, but just the feeling of like, 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 because I think 
we've probably all experienced it sometimes, but sometimes, you know, when we move on in our life, we forget that feeling and how many people are there and struggling and, you know, that first steps and second steps supports, you know, and, and just maybe bring us back to what is that? What are, what are people, because there are people all around us that are probably experiencing this right now. There's so many, and especially during COVID, it, it, uh, it really magnified in my city of St. John, New Brunswick, it really magnified the need for some of these programs because, um, you know, during COVID, I don't know how many times I would have seen or heard either through social media or otherwise, you know, like if, if you, if you're having a hard time, if you're in a situation where you can't get away from your spouse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, not to say that a lot of the women that go through our program are in that situation, but it does happen, obviously, unfortunately. And so our program really, you know, became even more important for me personally, um, knowing full well that there were women out there that, that were stuck, like in situations and couldn't get out of it or, or had nowhere to go. Um, our program really experienced a massive financial hit during COVID because we do a lot of fundraising. And so it, it became really frustrating to watch how we had to limit and be, be very cognizant of how big our program could be at the time. We really, like everybody else, we had to close the doors. We had to shut things down. We couldn't take donations. Um, the level of stress in the home uh, with the women was, was beyond high. So, you know, the, I didn't have COVID when I went through all this, but I know how scary it can be to, to not have anywhere to go and not have that support and have, you know, two small screaming children at three o'clock in the morning. And, and you really, all you can say to yourself is, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not, it's not something I'll ever forget, but it, it fades with time. And I think that's the biggest thing, like, um, because at one point we had a mentoring program at First Steps. Unfortunately, we had to we had to curb that down because of the situation with COVID and whatnot. But um, we we had a mentoring program where other women between the ages of like twenty, I'm going to say twenty five and forty, would mentor some of the young women in the program just so that they could see themselves and know that it was doable. I feel your pain. I know where you've been. I've been there. Right. It's going to be hard. It's going to get harder what you're going to make it through type of thing. And um, at one point, which I think is kind of funny now, but then I move into a different, we, we move into a different part is um, at some point, these young women look at us and it's not because I have the gray hair at this point, but at some point they don't see themselves anymore because we're too old. Mm-hmm. Right. So then like those of us who started in that situation and, and ended up being part of the, we used to call it the speakers bureau. And then of course it turned into first steps. Um, we move on to to helping behind the scenes and doing the fundraising or being on the board of directors, which is what I'm on now. And uh, the next gen again, the next generation comes in and starts to to hold a hand or or help out or paint a room or you know whatever. So yeah, it it's um, it's not it's not easy trying to watch other people go through this, but. But at the same time, you know, you know, you know that if they make it through, they're going to be okay. But it's so hard to say that when someone's going through it, you know, when you're, when you're going through your own storm, 
it doesn't matter how many times somebody says to you, you're going to be all right. You're like, yeah, I know I'm going to be, but right now this is crap. Like, yeah. you know, so that's the hard yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, um, yeah. And just how challenging it is for sure. It's almost like, it's almost frustrating at times when you're in those really hard, hard, hard places. And for somebody say to say, it's going to be okay. And just like you said, if, yeah, it will be, but right now it's not. Or, or what does it even mean to be okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so how, like, gosh, there's so many different ways that, um, you know, this conversation could go in so many different avenues that I want to explore, but like, how does this all tie into you are racing around the world on a sailboat? Well, I didn't get to race around the world on the sailboat, but, um, what, what's interesting is when Tracy Edwards, who's the original skipper of Maiden, started her journey and decided that she was going to put an all-female team into the Whitbread race, which is one of the most difficult, challenging races that's around the world, um, in 1989, I was, I was pregnant with my second child, and I was 23, so she was just a few years older than myself. And I remember thinking at that point, like, oh my God, these women are nuts. Like, this is not going to happen. Like, and they they really got a lot of negative um, interference static about the fact that they wouldn't even make it out of the start gate like type of thing because women just didn't have the stamina or the you know the the oomph to get out there and do this sort of stuff um, and and as I followed along and realized like not only did she finish the race like she actually won one of the hardest legs. Uh, hardest and longest legs and then won a second leg and then ended up second in her division it was a moment where and I think this happens for a lot of individuals it's like when you see yourself um in when you see yourself like that in something else that's bigger than yourself you suddenly realize like I can do that mm. I can still do that right and so it, it took me a few years. I was raised in northern New Brunswick. I was raised around water, uh, on the water, like all my life. And um, when, I'm, when, when my kids got a little bit older, again, 35, 36, 37 years old, all of a sudden you have that freedom of, oh, what do I do? Who am I? I'm no longer just mom. So what did I used to love, right? I love being on the water. And uh, I lost a bet is how I ended up on a race boat. That's the honest to God truth. I lost a bet and I ended up on a race boat and it was an all female crew. And uh, by the end of the summer, I was racing out of the Bay of Fundy. And by the next year, I was racing in Chester, Nova Scotia, which is one of the biggest regattas, oldest regattas in North America, Chester, Nova Scotia. Uh, and that just propelled me to start racing other places. I've raced in, um, I've raced at nationals with a, an amazing team of four women. We were called the, uh, four shades of 50 because we were all over 50 years old and racing women half our age. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've raced in Scotland. I was supposed to race in Antigua the year COVID hit. So I, unfortunately that got kiboshed, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm an avid sailor racer, again, mentor, coach, teacher. Like it just, it just automatically became another one of those crazy passions in my life. And my kids are just, you know, my youngest loves sailing. Um, my, my eldest couldn't care less if she was ever on a sailboat, but, but the youngest loves it as much as I did. And she started racing with me when she was 14. So, 
Wow. And yep. so how did sailing, when did sailing come into your life? Like you said, you're 17 years old, you got pregnant. Yeah, it, it uh, like I said, I, I remember being on small sailboats when I was a kid. I remember my mother, my mother panicked because uh, she can't swim. She sinks to the bottom of two feet of water and, and gets uh, seasick when she walks across wet grass. So she made sure my brother and I had all kinds of swimming lessons. And uh, at one point I was just too small. I'm only five foot three and weigh about 110 pounds soaking wet. So um, I think when I was about 12 or 13, I couldn't go any further because I just wasn't heavy enough to be able to swim the length of a pool with a weight on my belly or something. And so she threw us into, they're called uh, opties. They're, they're no bigger than a bad hotel hot tub, uh, not even hot tub, bathtub. Like they're just these tiny little sailboats that you could pick up with your two hands type of thing. And she threw us in that. My brother hated it. I absolutely loved it. Um, so I got a touch of what it was like to be in a boat. I kind of understood what boat was all about, but I mean, I was, I was just a kid. And then, like I say, you know, having everything that happened with the kids in my life and going to college and um, I didn't go back to it until I was again in my mid thirties. So it's, it's going to be, I'll be celebrating my 20th anniversary of being back in racing slash sailing uh, next year. So. What, yeah. what, is about, uh, Joanne, what is it about sailing for people that don't sail? That's, um, you know, such a powerful vehicle to introduce, you know, women to, and, and, you know, the, like, is there something about just the act of sailing and, and, and how to, how to navigate a boat. And I mean, I, I have all these, I'm conjuring up all these ideas in my head, but I'm curious what your, you know, from your perspective, the, you know, why that's such a valuable activity to introduce. Um, to women? Um, well, there's, there's two different lines of thought. I'm an adrenaline junkie to a certain degree. I don't like what I call land speed. So don't put me on the back of a motorcycle. Don't put me on, I grew up, you know, playing with we call them skidoos, but I guess they would be called snowmobiles now. Um, <laughs> so I, I was raised like I was raised like one of the boys, which is probably one of the other reasons why I'm in a very male dominant field. But um, some women, people in general that love sailing, you either love it because it gives you zen. Like as soon as I get on a sailboat, no, as soon as I take my shoes off and get on a sailboat, the world disappears. So it doesn't matter if I was in a three hour meeting and I would rather have had bamboo shoots stuck up my fingernails. Like the minute my shoes are off and I'm on a sailboat, I lose track of time. I lose track of dimension, space, everything. I could be on the water for four hours and all of a sudden just sort of look up and go, okay, where the heck am I? And kind of get my bearings because all you hear is the sound of the water, the sail and, and the ripples like of the wind. Like that's it. There's nothing more. There's just complete Zen. It's the only place my brain turns off. Um, but then if you get into racing, it's an adrenaline rush because uh, on average, you can tell the difference between people who are into it and people who are terrified the first time you bring them out. Because a boat, like last night, today's Thursday, last night was race night. And so there, there's probably 15 to 20 knots of wind, which would be somewhere between 25 and 35 kilometers an hour, which means your sails are up. And you're not, you're not doing this, you're doing, you're doing this. And you're sitting up on the high side with your feet dangling off the side uh, on a boat that's 29 feet long and has a keel that's really, really heavy. So you know you're not going to quote unquote turtle. However, 
some people are terrified when you start slicing through water at this angle and you're just holding on to a safety line and you can see the person sitting next to you white knuckling going we're gonna die <laughs> we're gonna die and I'm like we're not gonna die like so yeah and I work what they call the pointy end of the boat which is the bow which means you're like up there sitting in a pulpit there's waves everywhere you're soaking wet you're getting hit in the head by poles or lines or I could show you all my bruises for Chester race week which I was at last week it you know I I can't wear skirts skirts because people will think I've fallen off my face or something a couple of different times so there's two different things sailing give either way for a woman all i can tell you is for the uh probably 10 years or so that i've been part of the women on the water network here in saint john um there's a there's a level of camaraderie and safe it's a safe space to learn how to be at the helm or learn terminology non-judgmental um there's no bravado there's no like attachment to it it's just i'm here to learn i have a problem with my sail somebody tell me what kind of paint to put on the bottom of my boat and we all pitch in and we all help and we all have our strengths hi i'm steve yurko and i'm tara sands now available from maji media is our new podcast for kids flashback Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Yeah, it's interesting, Joanne, because when I was listening to you speak earlier, it's just like, wow, this is this strong, fierce, independent woman that you knew at a young age, like, if I'm going to do it, I've got to do it myself, what was kind of like the perception that I was getting from you and listening to you speak. And then there's the sailing component. And the racing component, which I know nothing about it. The one and only time I was on a boat was last year, actually, with Greg. And I was that person that was, whoa, like, this yeah. boat is going to flip. Like, could you not have warned me about this ahead of time? But yep. it sounds like it's a very team sport. And it it's every, like, you need to rely on other people. And, am I correct in that? Oh, big time. I mean, you know, I all, all joking aside, uh, uh, there's there's three parts to a, a race boat, which is like the people that are what we call at the back of the boat, which we say is theory land. They they have great ideas, but they don't necessarily know what's really going on at the front of the boat. And then you have the pit crew, which is the people that are pulling lines and you know making sure that the boat is propelling forward. And then you have the bow people who are actually like the technicians at the front of the boat. And then when people are yelling at the back, we're yelling back like, no, we're not doing that. No. We're not doing that. That's not going to work. It's going to work. No, it's not going to work. And then we do it. And we, and then we're like, it didn't work. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely teamwork. Um, 
you do have to rely on, you know, the helmsman knowing where he's going. The people in the pit have your back. The people at the bow have the front of the bow. Like it's, it's a very team. Um, it's not even dependent. Like that's not even the right word. It'll come to me, but it's, it's probably the only sport that I've ever really enjoyed where the team does really make the difference. It really mm. does. So independence, you know, you, you, you're completely interdependent on each other and, you know, without the, without the person in the bow, you know, the person in, in the stern can't do their job. And um, yep. it's, it's, you, you describe it in a very compelling way, like where I live on the Kennebecasis River and I see, and I, and I, I have, I have some boats, but I don't have, a, I don't have a sail. And interestingly, I sailed um, quite a bit with my uncle and my grandfather when I was younger. And then you're describing, you're, you're reminding me of like, gosh, like, I gotta get back into that, mm. you know? Um, and at the same time, uh, I like both the Zen and the adrenaline side of that. And as I was listening to the Zen, Zen part, I was thinking of Emily, of your, you know, how you describe fly fishing. There's, there's mm. some um, connection there about just being in nature and on the water. And that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. And both, I was actually thinking the same thing and how there can be that kind of more Zen relaxing i'll say trout fishing kind of style and then there's the total adrenaline like trying to catch a permit on a fly with 50 kilometer per hour gusts out on the ocean <laughs> where it's like the farthest from zen like it kind of feels like you're in pure chaos oh yeah uh yeah i was i was thinking the same and you know i'm, I'm curious joanne and in, in hearing again about this like this stubbornness and kind of how like our greatest strengths are, can also be our greatest weaknesses. And so you have this stubborn, uh, you know, trait of being like just really persevering and how that has got you so far ahead in life and kind of pushing through things. Where do you have to kind of keep yourself in check? Where does it come up for you? Where does it come up for you that it causes you to kind of step back and reflect and be like, okay, what do I need to, what, like, where do I need to kind of stop? Um, I think that came with age and a bit of wisdom, um, because in my twenties and thirties, I think I firmly believed, um, that the only person I could trust was myself. Mm. Like if, if it's got to get done, it's got to be me because nobody else can get it done attitude, which was, uh, fine at that point, I guess. I mean, I can look back and think, I, I mean, everybody makes mistakes and thank God I learned from most of them, but, um, it, it, I think um, I went through a, a a really rough time just before COVID, and uh, I was just so self dependent that refused refused to even acknowledge that uh, I really needed help, like in one way or another. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, it was that moment of of it's not even swallowing your pride. It's just the ability to go, you know what, listen, you can't do this. Like you're not doing this on your own. You're going to have to buckle down here and put that aside and forget that. And you're going to find out like who your real friends are. And, and uh, they quickly, there, there was a big difference between, you know, realizing like they're not just friends, they're family, they're chosen family all of a sudden. And uh, that that was a huge eye-opening experience. Was you 
you know, I, I can say honestly that I could be in, you know, this is going to sound like a crazy analogy, but I could be in jail in Montreal at three o'clock in the morning. And I know there's three people that I could call. And all I'd have to say is Montreal jail need bail. And they'd be like, all right, <laughs> tell me where to send it. I'll be there to pick you up. So, um, yeah, with age comes wisdom and with wisdom comes the ability to realize that you're never going to make it out of this world on your own. First of all, you're not going to make it out of this world, but um, that you have to be able to trust and rely on the people that love you and, and support you. And I, as a result, I've come to realize how important my support system is. I think yeah. it's, it's really good advice. I'm curious, you know, for, for men that are listening to this podcast, um, advice you get, like I have two daughters and, um, who I just love how independent they're going up. And, and I, my sense is, you know, maybe times are changing a bit where like, I don't, they, they, and maybe they have really good role models. I'm not sure, but they just, they um, one in particular seems to think she can do absolutely anything. It sees no limits that might change. I, you know, I'm aware of that, but I, I think, I think sometimes when I, as I'm listening and I'm going, wow, it, it's surprising to hear a story like in 1989, which, you know, I guess, dating myself a little bit doesn't seem that long ago mm-hmm. that that people thought of an all-woman team couldn't you know be, participate in this race like I, i'm honestly sitting back thinking come on that's got to be exaggeration like i because it just doesn't it doesn't you know maybe i benefit from just having a really amazing mother who just was you know top as nails as well and pushed me so but i mean like so so you so not having that perspective and, and, and not maybe fully understanding it as a man, I guess, what's the advice you can give to me and to other men about, you know, the importance of, of um, I guess, how they show up for the, the women in their lives? Um, <clears throat> I think what I've seen over the course of the last 10 years, especially, in, in, and this is in all realms of my life, like work, whiskey, sailing, um, in general, really, like it, it, there's there's a there's a culture shift happening, and and uh, you know, do I want to use the cliche of paradigm shift? Probably not. I really do feel it's a culture shift that's happening. Um, you know, like I say, I'm about to celebrate 20 years of of racing and sailing again. When I first started 20 years ago, it wasn't uncommon to be called a mermaid. You know, and it's it's not a term of endearment for us like we just did not like being called mermaids um but the next generation of sailors here's the difference i guess in in the culture shift which is really cool so when i first started i was um in the federal government i was one of five chemical engineering technology students that started with the federal government and they were all older gentlemen and I, they didn't give me a hard time, but it was always an excuse the terminology of mansplaining, but there was a lot of mansplaining that was happening. Same thing in sailing, same thing in the whiskey world, right? Like, well, what you mean is this. No, not really. This is what I mean. Um, and now um, one of the founding members of Wow St. John and I were racing in Chester week last week, and she said it best, which is it's nice that people don't see us as female sailors anymore they just see us as sailors and now they're coming to us for advice on things that we are good at so and this is male or female but that's a generational thing like it really is and I I don't want to crap on men that are from my generation but it's like 
it's the 30s and the, the 20s the 30s and the 40s so the millennials and the end of generation x that that culture shift is happening it's like oh you own a boat it's not oh you own a boat you mean like by yourself i'm like yeah by myself mm -hmm. um oh you own a boat cool did you did you fix your rudder yes i did oh how did you do that so there's a there's a change and it's a massive change coming same thing in the whiskey world same thing in the government same thing like it's just such a I'm so rewarded to see it in my lifetime. And so the, the thing that I want to say to the next generation of women is like, just be patient, be patient and be aware of, of the fact that it's not going to be men against women. Like it's, it's, you're, you're a person and you'll, you'll be recognized as a person and no matter what field you decide to be in, or no matter what lifestyle you decide to live. You'll be a person. There's no no gender. Just you're a sailor. Not oh you're a female sailor. Oh you're a female engineer. It's just it's that's that's what's coming. So I think it's I think it's beyond amazing. Like the first time I saw um, an all girl sailboat coming into our little club, I cried because that mm. only happened that only happened like a couple years ago for me. And to them, it was nothing. They were just, you know, they were all talking, pulling lines. And I just sat there with my mouth wide open, just watching them come in back into their birth. Like, it was just like, oh my God, like it just happened just like that. It was like, hey, and somebody threw them lines. There was no questions. There was no jokes. There was no animosity, like hidden animosity, I guess. And it makes you sound like a, a feminist or a, a, you know, me too movement thing, which it isn't. That's just what we lived in my generation. There was always a bit of a joke there. Like, you know, oh, your husband downstairs? No, nope, don't got one of those. Sorry, it's my boat. Like, you know, so it was, it's different. It's coming. Thank God. Yourself. Yeah. Yourself. yeah. And, and how refreshing it is to see those shifts. And, you know, I can relate to that and being a part of a lot of, um, I guess, maybe not as much anymore, but male dominated sports and activities and hobbies and how, you know, I've gone to fishing lodges and certain countries where it, it's all men and they're like shocked I've, I've had one guy say to me like I didn't even know that women were allowed here like the guy legitimately thought it was like an all man's club and how it like with every year it's becoming more and more just kind of refreshing to yep. be just treated like an equal who can yep. have the same skill set the same experience the same knowledge like when somebody, yeah, can, can go to you, a male can go to you and ask certain things of it, a sailboat or whatever else. And just seeing those cultural shifts, yep. but to think that, yeah, like this is all happening within our lifetime. And like you said, 1989, like that's not that long ago. No. And so you're like, so for, for this, the, the sailboat that is racing across, across the world to raise, um, is it money and awareness, like for education for young girls? Is yep. that the purpose behind it? It is. Uh, the Maiden Foundation raises funds um, for education for young women in all, all streams of STEAM, which would be science, engineering. Oh, my God, I got to spell out the word. Science, technologies, engineering, arts, arts math, sciences. <laughs> no, wait, I can't even. Oh, boy. I'm not nervous. <laughs> Science, Steam. technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. Thank you. STEAM. Yeah, all over the world. And so um, 
while they were here in St. John, they raised uh, $12,000 total. I think even maybe a little bit more than that for, uh, um, for part of the proceeds to stay here in St. John with Brilliant, Brilliant Labs, I believe they're, they're called, um, which is really big on educating young children and uh, teenagers. So, um, you know, the, the whole reason Tracy did this is because she really feels that the more the more we see each other, the more we see, like I say, again, I'm, I'm from an engineering background and the majority of the women that I hang around with, we all have fantastic careers in any of those, you know, realms, which is fabulous. Um, and so the more aware you become, the more, the more educated you become, the more, I don't want to say the more powerful you become, but the better, the better things are, I guess, I guess is the only way I can really put it at this point. And I can't, I can't stress enough that education is power. That's all there is to it. Education is power. Hundred percent. So I know you like to be behind the scenes, but I think you're really good in front. Um, and I, I love hearing your story and the way you tell it is very—it's very compelling. Like it just really draws you. Like when you talk about sailing, but just the overall story. But so I think there's another documentary here, Emily. Oh like, no, yeah, no, no, I no, do. no! You got to talk to Greg about oh, that. Uh, no, you know. Um, so. But I mean, it really such an interesting story. I so like like if we so appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. And for people that want to learn more, like how? And I know you know you're, you haven't described being behind the scenes, but how do they learn more about you? Like, what would be the best way? Or maybe they want to talk to you, or you know, get get a sense, brainstorm with you, or just hear more about your story. Like, what would be the best way for them to do that? Oh, good God! Uh, I would rather they they get to know the programs that I work with. Uh, I, I say that, but that I, I see, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I guess it depends like what, what avenue they want to get to know more because again, I'm that point person, right? So it's like, what do you need? If people come to me and I just, that's what, what do you need? Well, I need to get in touch with somebody at not a problem. I'll put you in touch. I'll, well, set you up. I'll send an email, you know, whatever. I'm just a point person. Uh, so if they want to learn more about sailing, we have sailing clubs in the St. John area, just, just you know, use, use that Google machine and uh, you'll find us. You'll find women on the water. You'll find some of the clubs. There's sailing courses available for adults. There's all kinds of great programs. Um, there's an adult learn to sail program. There's two in the St. John area. Women on the water takes anybody and we'll bring you on and we'll make you part of our cult. I mean, organization. <laughs> and uh, same thing with First Steps. If anybody wants to learn about First Steps, they want to volunteer First Steps, they want to help out with First Steps, First Steps Housing Incorporated, massive, amazing organization that I'm so proud to be part of. Um, mentoring, yeah, I do that on a regular basis. My, my, my list is a bit full at the moment because I mentor in whiskey and I mentor at work and I mentor as a, a sailor. But um, you can always find me on all social media aspects, Whiskey Lassie, W-H-I-S-K-Y-L-A-S-S-I-E. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and yeah. oh, Whiskey Lassie. I think I've I'm I've seen that handle and I didn't realize it was you. That's me. It's a very, it's very, you know, it's like kind of I was like, oh, I want to know more about who that is. <laughs> Interesting. It's such a neat, a neat name. That's funny. I I, I didn't make the connection just now. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's so many ways to to connect with Joanne. What we do at the end, Joanne, is we do takeaways. Um, I, mean, I feel like this interview could go on a lot longer, or maybe there's a second one in here um, when we documentary <laughs> you're doing with Greg Hammings or who, whatever that may be. Um, what takeaways for you, Emily? 
Well, I feel like I always go first, Dave. So I was going to say, why don't you, what's your takeaway? Well, you know, I, I, I just think it's the, um, it was when I read the article I and mean, it just, it just, it's kind of been amplified through this conversation, but um, you know, just the, the power of, of, you know, being resilient and pushing through and then, and then having the wherewithal to then give back. And I hear that grand story and it's really inspiring. And, you know, it's it, like anytime you, you listen to someone's story, you can't, at least I can't help but think of, you know, am I doing enough in that? You know, like, well, how can I be giving back? Or, you know, what, how do I need to be more resilient or whatever? So those, those are really shining through. Um, and just, and I also appreciate um, you being, you know, vulnerable and sharing the part of our, you know, you had a struggle just pre-COVID and here's what you learned. And, and it's just a reminder that like, we're just like this life is, you just, and you never quite learn it. <laughs> you know, like, you think, like I thought when I hit 50, I would have it all figured out. And I'm still like, what? Like, I still got to learn more lessons. There's so many more. So I, in fact, I've learned how little I know, you know? So, um, so that, those are my takeaways. Yeah, love it. My takeaway, Joanne, what did you call it when you were up at the front of the boat and you're the one that... I'm the bowman or I'm the part, of the, part of the bow, bow people, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay. My <clears throat> takeaway was just in hearing you speak of that and just like that adrenaline rush and the waves that come with it. And I was almost just like visually like experiencing what that is like. And uh, yeah, the real takeaway for me and what I am hearing from you and your story and what you're doing is courage. It's like courage to be at the front, to feel, to be the one that takes the impact of those waves over and over and over again, to have the bruises, to have those battle wounds, yet like you keep showing up and like makes me emotional, but, but like by you keep doing that, it's like that is what is inspiring, not just the younger generation, but your generation and men and women alike to have courage to step forward in whatever it is that they are going um through and, and and in what ways that like they want to get better and progress and keep pushing through because yeah those hard times those waves they're gonna crash into our lives like for the rest of our life um but and how do we have those skill sets to be able to navigate those waters and i guess sail through those waters sometimes faster than others so I am so appreciative of you coming on here and speaking so openly about your story and that it is such a story of impact and you certainly um, have inspired me and I can only imagine how many other of our listeners do you have inspired. So thank you. You can write my eulogy anytime. That was amazing. <laughs> I love it. It's made my daughter's job really easy. <laughs> Put this put this on tape and just just play this and say what Emily said. <laughs> I hope she's listening so she can hear that. Um, your daughter. Um, jean are you gonna take us out? Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of echo Emily's statement because I also grew up as like one of the boys and grew up with similar experiences of always being the female hockey player, always being the Oh, girl, this or that. So it's something that's definitely shifting, which is nice to see. So I'm glad we can share this story um, and that you, Joanne, were, were open to sharing your story. And everybody can find it on the boilingpointpodcast.com 
We release to all of the popular podcast platforms. Uh, we're on social media, so we'll be sure to tag Joanne's account because we're across LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And we also post the video versions of this on Facebook and YouTube. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, they get to see you too, Joanne. <laughs> Surprise, you're on camera. <laughs> Oh, had I known that, I would have removed the laundry basket. That's behind me. Wait, I'll just, okay, sit right there. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, Joanne. So nice, so nice meeting you. I hope, uh, hope we get to interact again in the future. Sounds Thanks great. Thank you so much, guys. Continue doing a great Thank job. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Boiling Point Podcast. Remember to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite listening platform. To find out more, head to our website at boilingpointpodcast.com. You can connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. To find out more about Dave Vale's work, head over to visioncoachinginc.com. Thanks for listening, and make sure to check out our next conversation. looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.